This is the Memory Palace. I'm Nate DeMeo. There had been a breakthrough. Several, really. On Wednesday, August 25th, 1835, people opened up the morning edition of the New York Sun and learned about the remarkable scientific leaps made by Sir John Herschel during his expedition to South Africa. Sir John was the son of Sir William Herschel, who had discovered the planet Uranus and two of its 27 moons. During the elder Herschel's time, he was hampered in his work by the limited engineering know-how of the age, and, he assumed, by some unfortunate truths about optics and magnification. So his telescope, though awfully big, could only see so far. But here in the New York Sun was news that there in South Africa, on a hilltop in the Cape of Good Hope, the younger Herschel had cracked the problems that had bedeviled his father. He had built an instrument so ingenious, a telescope so large, that he was beginning to answer questions that had bedeviled every person who had ever looked up at nighttime. In an astounding feat of engineering, the lens of Sir John's telescope was 25 times larger than his father's. It weighed 14,826 pounds. And all of that shocking size and technical sophistication yielded a magnifying power of 42,000 times. And according to the New York Sun, having first confirmed his father's discoveries, and then having identified several planets orbiting distant stars, Sir John Herschel pointed his telescope at the moon. There were beavers on the moon. There were rolling fields of deep crimson flowers, forests of trees, each as large as the most noble pines in the oldest English churchyards. Blue unicorns with beards like goats, and who romped and tumbled in the grass like kittens. Over the course of five days, the wonders of the moon were cataloged in the pages of the sun. On Thursday, its readers learned of the vast herds of bison, which stampeded through a valley carved out long ago by a volcanic eruption. And they learned of the moon beavers, which weren't really beavers, they had no tails, and they walked upright. And they lived in huts, more impressive, as the article put it, than those of many human savages. On Friday morning, people opened up the sun to read about Herschel's most phenomenal discovery yet. At first, he and his team thought they were birds. They were clinging to a cliffside. They were gliding in flocks just above the waves of a great inland sea. But they weren't birds. They were men. They were men with wings. Vespertilio homo, the scientists called the new species. Batmen. And they were bat women and they all flew and frolicked in a state of nature that looked incredibly appealing when viewed through a 15,000-pound telescope by buttoned-up British scientists on a hilltop in the Cape of Good Hope. So this is the point in the story when I say that none of this was true, that this is all a big hoax. And we here in 2010 can laugh at our gullible ancestors. It does seem that they did believe it for the most part. By day two of the series, the sun was selling like crazy. And there are memoirs from the mid-19th century that remember the articles as causing a sensation. One author writes about how he was at Yale when they first came out, and everyone, students and professors, all believed it. At least for the first four articles or so. After a while, it seems, the incredible details just stopped being credible. Not that the paper admitted it. No one ever did. Though most people agree it was a British writer who had recently started working for The Sun. And there was a Sir John Herschel, and he was a very accomplished scientist. He discovered moons around Saturn and 
like his dad, some other moons around Uranus. But he didn't discover that he was the man in the moon hoax until years later. And apparently he found the whole thing sort of irritating. So we can laugh at our gullible ancestors, but I'd rather not. Because why not believe? Who was to say at that point what was on the moon? And these were people who were reading about wonders, real wonders, on Earth all the time. About new technical marvels, sewing machines and electric motors and matches and streetcars. Reading dispatches from expeditions to the Four Corners telling of bizarre animals named and new peoples met, of new languages heard and new rituals observed, and places they'd never heard of in Africa and Asia and South America. And in a time before cars and transcontinental railroads and 40-hour work weeks and summer vacations, who's to say there weren't wonders just upstream or just over the next ridge? So who's to say there weren't rolling fields of poppies on the moon and great pyramids of quartz, red birds that made their nests in flowering palm trees on the shore of an inland sea, or giant beavers who lit fires to keep their huts warm, Okay, maybe they should have figured it out when they read about the beavers. That is pretty stupid.